Happy Father's Day again, and I'm just going to lead out with a few introductory thoughts, but today I just want to simply talk to you about what it takes to be a good father. Now, I want to let you know I'm a work in progress, but I enjoy uh, really one of the most important things and enjoyable things in my life is to be a father. And like my wife said, our priorities in life is God first, each other second, our kids third, our calling. And you know what? When it comes to all that, that pretty much consumes our whole life, but we have an enjoyable life. Another passion I have is not only being a father, but I also have a passion of helping men go through the process of becoming a godly man and a godly father. And I can only do that today because I have good mentors in front of me. My spiritual father, Bishop J.C. Hash, Dad, if you're looking in, I love you. I would not be the man I am today without your influence in my life. I certainly acknowledge my dad in heaven and his influence on my life. Pastor Hagen, we're on his leadership team. I've got good men in my life, but particularly the pastor over my life, Bishop J.C. Hash, I just can't tell you how much God has used him to help mold me into the man and the pastor and the leader I am today. I love you, Dad. Misty and I love and appreciate you more than you will ever, ever know. You know, when I was thinking about this, I saw a research that was done, and again, today we're going to talk about what it takes to be a good father, but researchers have identified fatherlessness is the number one issue in many nations today. All of society seems to break down when fathering is absent. So fathers, let's do a better job. Young men, someday you might be a father if you desire to be. Let's take heed to these words and come on up. But I want to thank you, fathers, for those of you who are fulfilling your roles and going to keep doing better alongside me. And uh, the impact is, is, is just huge, more than we can ever, ever know. I was thinking about uh, the different videos that were shot of some of our uh, men of the church this, this past week. Each day, one was posted, and they all were so wonderful in their comments and and uh, their walk with Christ impacted their families, and I'll give you some statistics in just a moment. But I, uh, I was reading something about fathering by an expert called John Snary, and I really like what he said because he explains that children who are roughhoused with their fathers learn that biting, kicking, and other forms of physical violence are not acceptable. We've got to teach our kids these things. They learn self-control by being told when enough is enough. You ever told your child when they were younger, that's enough, that's enough. <laughs> yes, I remember those words coming out of me. And when it's, and settle down, everybody settle down. Or I would say, and my wife and I would say, listen, settle down, let's stop, and let's do a five-minute power clean of the house. Because sometimes when we'd get all playing around the house, that would just get disruptive. And then we'd say, five-minute power clean. Let's get this place in order. But anyway, uh, these are some things that kids should learn along the way from the mother and the father. But girls and boys need to learn a healthy balance between timidity or humility and aggression. Go to any playground and listen to the parents. Now, who do you think? Who do you think is encouraging the kids to swing higher, to climb a little higher, ride their bike a little faster, 
throw that pitch just a little bit harder? Who's encouraging the kids uh, to do that as compared to who's encouraging the kids to be careful? Well, mothers protect and dads encourage the kids to push the limits. Now, my wife does both because she, she wasn't just passive, although she's a protector, but she's got an aggressive nature in herself as well. But either of these parenting styles by themselves can be unhealthy. And in my mind, Misty, my mind uh, always goes back to our time in the mountains where we had waited too late to go up into uh, mile-high mountains, and all of a sudden it started to get dusk on us, and we had to find those marks to get down that mountain. And that's the dad in me that would push the kids as my wife was comforting them and consoling them and getting them down <laughs> off these vertical ladders and stuff like this. And I didn't feel a thing. I was just leading. But my wife felt a lot of things. <laughs> and um, by the way, we worked as a team to get our family down. And then we celebrated at Daniel Boone Inn. We went there and sat down and we just ate so good. So, but anyway, one can tend toward encouraging risk that would nor normally be the father without consideration of consequences, and that's out of balance. The other tends to avoid risk, which can fail to build independence and confidence. So together, we have always worked as a team for balance. If you, if you know Joseph and Hannah today, they have a good balance between risk and humility and not taking things too far. But together, they help children remain safe while expanding their experiences and increasing their confidence. Now, I'm talking about dads today and the impact of dads and what it takes to be a good father. I saw a, a very s significant and sobering survey. I've mentioned it to you before, and I'm sure I'll mention it years after because it, it just talks about the significance of when a father comes to the Lord. A survey found that if a child is the first person in a household to become a Christian, there's just a 3.5% probability that everyone else in the household will follow. 3.5%. Now, if the mother is the first to come to Christ, there's a 17% chance that everyone else in the household will follow Christ. But when the father comes to the Lord first, there's a 93% probability that everyone in the household will follow. When I was thinking about uh, Hannah, when you posted that um, video on Jay, he talked about coming to the Lord. Jay, I know you're watching today. I'll never forget when you first came to harvest, there, it just seems to me you'd sit back there in the very back area, and I would just see the convicting power of the Holy Spirit upon your life. I could just see God dealing with you and God dealing with you. And, and when, you allow, when you allow God to break you and when you, when you allow Jesus to become your Lord, your life totally transformed and a lot of your family followed you in. As a matter of fact, your son that passed away a couple years ago that I know that you might be a little bit heavy about this morning, he followed Jesus too and he's in heaven today. Wow. The impact, the impact of a father leading their family in the things of God. It's just immeasurable. So I want to thank all of you men for live streaming today. I want to thank you for all the families that are live streaming today with your father or, 
or, or with the men that are in your life. And young men, I'm here to help you look at eight things today that will help you be a good father. Let's turn to the Scripture here this morning in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15. Now it says, I'm not writing to you to scold you. I'm not just here to scold you or make you feel bad. Because we can all do better, all of us, every single one of us. I'm writing as a father to you, my children. I love you and I want you to grow up well, not spoiled. There are a lot of people around you that can't wait to tell you what you've done wrong. But there aren't many fathers willing to take the time and effort to help you grow up. You know, I think that's part of my calling to lead men. And men, by the way, I miss our time with Brave. We'll be getting re-engaged soon. But again, as my wife stated, your health is absolutely number one. And the metrics and the statistics of COVID-19, they're too high right now for us. And I, we just not, don't want to jeopardize that. And when you're out there in the world, put your mask on, follow six feet, use social distancing, wash your hands, do all the things they're saying, and uh, let's stay safe, but also stay connected. The first point I want to make today in the eight things that can take, help us, uh, it takes to be a good father, is number one, a father is a good example to his kids. That's obvious, but it's true. Clarence Kellard said it like this, my father didn't tell me how to live, he lived, and he let me watch him do it. You know, it's one thing just to tell, 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 say, 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 but how are you living? I think, I think you should be able to most of the time not say a thing, and they're learning, because I tell you what, some, someone is, our family's eating from our tree. Our, our workplace is eating from our tree. And so a role model says, this is what a godly man looks like. Watch me when I don't know you're looking. Watch my integrity. Watch me love God. Watch me love my wife. Watch me raise my children. Watch me lead. Watch me pray. Watch my character, my consistency. Watch me serve. Watch me ha handle money properly. Watch me conduct business in integrity. Watch my faithfulness. Watch me care about others of all races, all ages, with a spirit of humility and a spirit to learn because we don't know it all. Well, I tell you what, even through these challenging times of friction between the races, I am learning so much. I need to learn so much more. And we're learning e each other. And I thank God for the kingdom culture that we can love people through hurts. But kids draw conclusions about God's nature from our reactions by watching us and our responses. We should be a loving example. And again, don't be condemned here this morning because we're all learning to do better and we're coming up higher. 1 Corinthians 11, 1 says, be in, in I almost said intimidators. <laughs> imitators. No, man, you don't want to be intimidators. No, we're supposed to be imitators. Be imitators of me, just as I am of Christ. The word also says, follow me as I follow the Lord. That means in every setting, no matter how good the leader is, you follow that person as they follow the Lord. If they stray from the word of God, you don't follow them in that. You, you, you don't. 
you follow things that align with integrity and etiquette and character and the Word of God, and, and it should bear good fruit. Follow me as I follow the Lord. So, in this confused world, men are looking for a good role model, that's for sure. I remember when I was a young man, and my dad, again, didn't have a good role model when he came up. His dad passed when he was 10 as an alcoholic, and, and he didn't have that many good role models. And it's it just amazing how I saw my dad grow through the years and become what, what he became was a wonderful father. But you know what? All, all of us as young men and, and young ladies even, we're looking for uh, men as, as role models of what it means to be a good father. Men are looking for a good role model of integrity, purity, faith, prayer, pace, proper pace. Can't say I've always done that one well, but I'm working on it. Purpose, good marriage and family, experience. You know, having good role models in my life, and that's why I've been serving with Bishop Pash, knowing him for about 33 years now. And I've known, we've known the Hagans for about 33 years now as well. And, and knowing these men, especially my pastor, has absolutely changed the course and trajectory of my life and purpose. Because it wasn't like I saw him here and there. I serve him, we've served him for years and years and years and years, and we're still on a monthly basis. We're still on his board and, and talk to him consistently. I need consistent contact with him because he's a divine appointment and a divine connection in my life that, that, that helps me and, and stretches me. And, and what, a, what a great man of God. But to, to be exposed to these men in my life has, has changed the course of my life and the trajectory of my life and my purpose. And I really believe when we're following the right people, we should all have that same experience. Now, I'm getting ready to throw a, a curveball at you. Are you ready? Catherine Franklin said it like this. Listen now. If you can't be a good example of a good father, you'll have to just be a horrible warning. I think about men right now that are a horrible warning, yet they're duplicating themselves in their sons. They're duplicating themselves in their daughters. Instead of a horrible warning, there's duplication happening. Come on, guys, let's wake up and do better. Come on, let's come up higher. It, 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 it'll just change so much about our lives and our family and, and our legacy. Number two, a father needs to be an authority but not a dictator. An authority but not a dictator. Ephesians 6, 4 says, Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger. No, I sometimes bring it up to that edge. <laughs> I, I, it's in a funny way. I don't think I provoke my kids to anger, but, but I, I, uh, I like to push their buttons sometimes. It's, it's, it's humorous. So, but the Bible does say, hey, don't, don't go over that line. Nope. Don't provoke your children to anger. Don't exasperate them to the point of resentment with demands that are trivial, unreasonable, humiliating. No, we shouldn't do that or abusive, by all means, nor by showing favoritism. You don't want to ever show one of your kids favoritism over the other. You love them all just, just unconditionally, and you celebrate their personalities. 
You celebrate their giftings. You celebrate what they're good at. And then uh, don't show indifference to any of them, but bring them up tenderly with loving kindness in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. You know, when you think about raising kids and, and being an authority man, not a dictator, we need to set boundaries, boundaries with good and bad consequences. Let me tell you this. Our kids in our households need to be learning how to make decisions with positive consequences and negative consequences. Our kids need to learn that they pull up to the banquet table of their decisions. As a matter of fact, we all do. There comes a point in time that there's people in our life that have done certain things, maybe even bad things to us, but we stop and say, you know what, as for me and my house, as for me and my life, I'm going to start making my own good decisions, and, and, you know, the decisions that I make, I can eat from the fruit of that, and I'm going to lie in the bed that I make. God uses authority to set boundaries. The Word is a boundary. Government places boundaries in our life. Employers. Listen, we have an employee uh, handbook, and we have like a 90-day trial for people to give us a try and for us to give them a try. And there's certain boundaries that, that people can work with us if they fit within that boundary. So I don't have to fire anybody. It's just here it is. If people don't want to uh, follow those boundaries, they say they don't want to work for us, so they'll have to work somewhere else. That's a boundary, personal manuals. You know, parents set boundaries. Elders set boundaries. Our, you know what? Conscience, our conscience should set a boundary of where we should go, where we should back off. When our conscience is trained on the Word of God, it's a good guide. It's a good guide for our life. How about the Holy Spirit sets boundaries? Police set boundaries. A judge, principal, pastors, and church leaders set certain boundaries. When I think about the mountains again, we need to go to the mountains soon. But uh, when I think about the mountains, there's guardrails that are up those steep mountains. And aren't you glad they're there in case your brakes go out? They're there for protection. The Word sets boundaries for our protection. You know, authorities in our life set Set boundaries like guardrails for our protection. Expectations of behavior set boundaries of employment. Direction by the Word and Holy Spirit set safe boundaries. So a father needs to be uh, a model that God's Word is not an option or just an opinion. But God's Word is my boundary of the way that I live, the way I operate. It helps me operate and live in the blessings of God. Deuteronomy 30, 15 says, Listen closely. I have set before you today life and prosperity, good and death, and, adver and, and adversity and evil, in that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk, that is, to live each and every day in His ways, and to keep His commandments and His statutes and His judgments, so that you will live and multiply, and that the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you are entering to possess. I thank God He's my source. I thank God the blessing of God is upon my life and my family and our church and our region and our leaders. I follow people that are living the blessed life, that are setting a good example. Number three, a father needs to be a good listener. 
Children need attention. Sometimes we need to put down our phone. No, I think I'll repeat that. Sometimes we need to put down our phone. I know, I know Hannah, when she wants to talk to me, she's like, turn the music off, put your phone down, Dad, look at me. <laughs> and, and I get that. She's, that's the way she is. Joseph's a little bit different. He could be, talk, he could be messing with his phone, and, and he could be talking to me, but then I say, hey, Joseph, 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 put your phone down. So there's just a certain way that they're different, but uh, we communicate. Kids need attention, though. James 1.19 says, Let everyone be quick to hear. Be a careful, thoughtful listener, slow to speak, a speaker of carefully chosen words, and slow to anger, patient, reflective, forgiving. Dean Jackson says, Listening is an art that requires attention over talent. Attention over talent. Spirit over ego. Others over self. Can you imagine if we practiced that? How much it could bring understanding to the picture? We could hear each other's side, be empathetic, and we can get healing in a matter. Children need a little quality of time every day, and especially when they're younger. I, I, I just remember times my wife and I would play with the kids and, and uh, they had a playroom and a play box and a playhouse and I'd get in the playhouse and I'd get in the play box and yeah, even sometimes Hannah put lipstick on me and she dressed me up. Well, anyway, I remember times we'd go in the backyard and we had a playground set and they'd always like me to do funny statements as I would swing them and, and I would just say, baloney. And I'd twist them around, or I would just say all kinds of things, and I'd just crack them up, and we'd have, why'd I say baloney? I don't know. I'd just say, I'd just say the funniest things, so at least I thought they were funny. And uh, anyway, but Peter Drucker said it like this, the most important thing in communication is to hear what isn't being said. You know, when, when, when you are raising children, and they're young, I believe the Holy Spirit helps us be sensitive to them and what they need. And this is definitely one thing I see my wife is world class at. She's so sensitive to what Joseph needs, and she's so sensitive to what Hannah needs. And, and I try to do the same thing and, and, and have that same sensitivity towards my kids so they know even if, even if my wife has a different role, that I'm here and I understand and I'm praying for you and I'm here for you and I get it. Amen. Billy Graham said, a suffering person doesn't need a lecture. He needs a listener. Sometimes just listening. And I've had to learn it over the years with my wife when she's been going through something, and then all of a sudden the teacher in me wants to give her four steps for her to be helped. And she doesn't want four steps. She just wants to be listened to. Or maybe just a hug. Maybe just sit down and hold my hand. Say with me, I'm, I'm growing. Say with me, I'm learning. Number four, a father needs to be an encourager. An encourager. When we encourage someone, I like a, a quick illustration by Kent Crockett. The Greek word translated encourage literally means to come alongside. I like that. My car had a dead battery, so I asked a friend to help jumpstart it. 
you know, with jumper cables. He pulled his car, how? Alongside mine, used jumper cables to transfer power from his battery to my battery. He connected a good battery to his battery, that depleted one, and the energy flowed into my weak battery until I could it could function on its own. So sort of like encouraging someone, you come alongside them. When we're doing something similar to jumpstart a battery, we come alongside the person who has a weak spiritual battery at that moment, and when we speak encouraging word, the power of God and the grace of God and the comfort of the Holy Spirit flows into that person and helps build them up. Oh, we all need a community of encouragement. That's one thing that we have to understand. That's one role of assembling. I look forward to assembling soon, but that's one role. Assembling can, can mean in a mass assembly like we have here, but also assembling in a prayer group, assembling in a connect group, assembling, uh, you know, with, with good people of like precious faith. Number five, a father needs to be a teacher, right? Train up a child the way they should go. You know, dads know a lot about something. You might not know you do, but you do. You might know about cars, outdoors. I'm good at finances. I know, I, I'm good at God, that's just my number one uh, passion in my life. That sort of sounded funny. I'm good at God. <laughs> but, I mean, that is my number one passion. He's my number one passion, finances and leadership development, all those kind of things. So, naturally speaking, those are the types of things that, that I have imparted into my children. I don't have a lot of uh, mechanical skills. My wife is something else. She's She's got fixer-upper skills, <laughs> and, uh, and I'm just sort of her helper sometimes. She, she put uh, strings of outdoor lights on our back patio, just so beautiful. Now, I attempted to do that first on my own with another guy, and we shake, when she came back and she wasn't excited, I said, uh-oh, better get Mako. So what I, <laughs> and when she looked, I was so disappointed because I had the lights on, and she was like, and I just knew we we're going to do this over. So anyway, she's a fixer-upper, and I was her helper, and we got it right. And so anyway. But a father's a teacher. We can teach things. And, and uh, you know, teach them the word, most importantly, in your life and your example. Teach them practical wisdom, life skills. Hey, hey, parents, can I tell you this? Teach them your successes and your failures. You say, I don't want to share them, my failures. They might think I did things wrong in my life. Well, you did, and, and I have too. And, and don't withhold that from them because, man, they can learn from your experiences and maybe not mess up like you did. We've got the good and the bad. So prepare them to be gainfully employed. Yeah, send them to a trade school. Send them to some sort of uh, internship or or college that fits them and fits the budget. Help them to get an employable degree. Can I say that again? Help them get an employable degree, right? Help them get an internship to gain experience and then teach them to work their way up the ladder. Help them serve their way to their destiny. You know, don't help them to see that the, the more of a servant-hearted person you can be to serve uh, those who you're working with, that's the best path for promotion. Don't go in there entitled just because you have a degree. You don't have experience. 
So I can say a lot about that, but I'm on number six. Number six, a father is a protector to guide kids through the stages of life. Hey, I saw a, a picture of a, a father took his son to, to a uh, baseball game. And, and so there was a batter up there at the plate, and the batter's got this big old wooden bat, and he swung really, really hard, and that bat came out of his hand. And that bat was headed toward the head of that, that little boy that was about nine years old. And the father reached out his hand, caught that bat before it hit his son. Dad's a protector. Landon Cunningham was a nine-year-old boy that it was almost hit. He said, um, he was asked, you know, about the prospects of the dangerous bats and things that happen in a ball game. He said, you know what? As long as I'm with my dad, I'm okay. <laughs> that blessed me. That blessed me. I remember, again, you guys put it in my head the other day. We were at the Dixie Fair Classic where Joseph was small and he's on my shoulders, and, and I tell people, be responsible, know where your kids are, and all of a sudden, I'm like, you know, I'm holding his legs on my shoulder, I'm like, where's Joseph? Where's Joseph? Where is he? Have you ever done that? I'm responsible, I'm a protector. Where is he? Where is he? Anyway, he was on my shoulder, and then we, I had him on my shoulder at Disney World, he ate too much candy, and he threw up on my head. Yes, he threw up on my head. It was very hot, and I, yeah, that was, that was a blessing. He, he laughs about it, and he was so thankful. Dad, I'm so glad I did that to you for all the things that you've brought me through. <laughs> all right. So a dad is a, a father, is a protector, a guide, and, and, and a guard with truth. You know, we should guard our kids from friends, protect them to allow them to have good friendships, but also to protect them of bad influences bad, and, and, and bad uh, types of friends that can have in our life. Guard their exposure. Guard their exposure from pornography and drugs and people and places and things. And yesterday we were watching a movie again, and, and it was a great movie. Love the movie. A Father's Day type movie. It was a war movie. And, and yet there was a blip and a blap. And, you know, why? But uh, we have to guard our kids from exposure. And, and over the years, especially with, uh, with Joseph, whenever something would come on TV, we would always hold each other accountable not to look at that. We would bounce our eyes off the wrong thing onto the right thing. Guard and guide them through diff their different stages in life. Be there for them. Be a rock. Can I say this? And I'm trying to hurry here. But don't leave your children unattended. My wife and I recently moved, and we're in this neighborhood, and I hope maybe some of our neighbors, <laughs> if you're watching, I don't mean to get on your case, but we're walking down certain streets, and some parents, they're not watching their kids, and there's this little kid that likes to get on top of his driveway, and without looking at traffic, come down and just shoot down the street without looking. And, and my wife and I are saying, oh, we want to go up to that house and knock on their door. Don't you see what's going on here? Then there was another, oh gosh, I hope they're not watching. But there, there, was, there, was this, 
this, there's this little, little boy. I mean, he must have been seven-ish years old, and he was on a scooter just scooting. And just scooting through a neighborhood. We're like, where's this kid going? There's no authority to watch over him. And about a few minutes later on, you see this elderly person just sort of walking and uh, sort of looking around like, I wonder where he went. And uh, I mean, does that irritate you? Well, you can't be too safe with your kids these days. And, and so watch your kids. Don't let them go unattended. So, but a good father, again, is a good example. Are you all with me? Uh, an authority but not a dictator, a good listener, an encourager, a teacher, a protector. Number seven, a father's a provider. Psalm 37, 25 says, I have been young and now I'm old, yet I have not seen the uncompromisingly righteous forsaken, neither their seed begging for bread. Teach kids to look to God as their source. Teach kids to be hard workers. Teach kids to pull their own weight at home. Moms and dads, don't go in their bedroom and make their bed and clean up their toys all the time and help them, have them help you. Like, do, do the five-minute power cleans and, you know, and, and I'm not saying it's perfect because I used to get frustrated at Joseph. <laughs> My goodness, I'm like, are you sure you want all that in your room? Good Jesus. And, and you know, every parent every now and then just giving up a time or two, say, oh, forget it. Because they're such good kids. And, and then, I mean, you know, when you compare what they've done as compared to what you did, you're like, if that's, if that's the worst they did, come on now. You know. So I'm not saying be overly dictatorial. But, uh, but anyway, um, by the way, uh, we're getting ready to move Joseph back to, to home here to North Carolina. So, yeah, um, Misty and Hannah are going to be flying out this afternoon and and I'm going to man the house while they go, and they, they have plenty of help on the other side, but they'll be, they'll be moving back uh, next weekend, and so aren't you looking forward to having Joseph back home? Yay! And he's going to be working with us in the ministry, and uh, he's engaged to be married, and his fiance is going to be helping us in the ministry as well. So anyway, a lot of good change in the coin family. So, but teach your kids financial responsibility. I, I would, I would, how can I say this without sounding like a dictator? I'd make them go through financial peace. I would put your kids through financial peace, teach them to tithe, put God first as their source. Man, God has never let me down in my life, in this ministry. Tithe 10%, save 10%, live off of 80%. If you'll do that for your full life and you'll invest, well, I'd up that to 15%, the investment side. But uh, I tell you what, you, you will be well taken care of in your senior years. And then number eight, a father is a forgiver. Psalm 103, verse 2 and verse 3 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not one of all his benefits, who forgives every one of all of your iniquities, who heals all of your diseases. And let me conclude with this story. Uh, just, just I'm going to summarize the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. The prodigal son in Luke 15. It begins with a man who has two sons. 
The younger son asks his father for his inheritance, his portion of, of the estate, and an early inheritance. And once received, he set off on a long journey to a distant land and wastes his fortune on wild living. Now, the point here, listen, the point here is not that he made a mistake, but the point is that the father allowed him to. We all have to learn to make good decisions. Even, even if we made a bad decision, you're going to see the prodigal son failed forward, learned from it, and came back home. But even though the father had the money, the father could have gone and bailed out his son. He didn't rescue his son from the pain of wrong decisions that would potentially change the character to help him make right decisions. Pain can change character in a positive way if you don't remove it too prematurely. And that's hard on a parent sometimes to see your kids living in painful decisions. But when they turn their life around, we're there ready to help them with our resources and anything possible. With our kids, I'm, I'm not um, hesitant to say this, we have the type of house that my wife and I, our passion, again, is God, each other, our kids, our calling, and we have the type of house that our kids, even if something happened in the future, our, ho our home is their home. We are their safety net, and we are there for them. Behind every great kid is a great man or a great mentor or, or, or some sort of role model like this, believing in them, affirming them, loving them. So thank you, fathers, for being a good example, for being an authority but not a dictator, for being a good listener, an encourager, a teacher, for being a protector, a provider, and a forgiver. Being a good father isn't easy, but it's so worth it. It's the best inheritance that you can give your kids beyond money or estates. Proverbs 13:22 says, "A man, a good man, leaves an inheritance of moral stability and goodness to his children's children." And you know when I think about all this in conclusion, God is all of these things to us and more. Happy Father's Day. Father, we thank you for this time together this morning and the teacher is the first partaker of every lesson. So, Father, I continue to examine my life so I can do better at all the different areas or tweaks here and there. Thank you, Father, for being a great example for me. Thank you for setting good examples in, in my life that our spiritual fathers in my life. Thank you for Bishop Hash. Thank you so much for what he means to me and my wife as our pastor. Thank you for the Hagans being on their team. We learned so much. Thank you for good leaders we have over our life. If you just bow your heads with me in prayer this morning, I don't want to assume that everybody knows God as their father today. But here's the simple gospel. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the wages of that sin is death, but there's a free gift of God called eternal life. Have you received Him? Have you received Jesus? 
He's the one who lived an innocent life so that he could die for all of our guilt. And on the third day, God raised him from the dead. Jesus is alive. He's the Savior of the world. But have you received him as your Savior? Now, let me tell you what I've been doing all week long. The Word says that no one can come to the Father except he draw you. Excuse me. No one can come to Jesus except the Father draw him. So God's drawing you by the Holy Spirit to receive Jesus today. Yield to that. It'll absolutely change your life. And I want you to pray this simple prayer after me. If you just pray it together with me. And just mean it with your heart. It's very simple to receive Jesus. Say it with me. God, I believe Jesus is the Son of God. I believe He died on the cross for all of my sin. I believe on the third day you raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus, you're alive. I repent. I ask you to forgive me. I'm sorry for my past. And I ask you to become my Savior today. I receive you as my Savior today. And now I confess you as my Lord. Thank you for saving me. I've now been born into the family of God. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Boy, that's the most important decision you can make on the screen. They'll put up the, they'll put up the number you can call. Give us a call. Let us know that you received Jesus today. And, and if you're here locally, we want to encourage you when we begin to assemble, come and be a part of this church, and we'll, we'll help you in your new walk with God. If you live somewhere else, we'll help connect you to a church. But we sure appreciate you and love you. Happy Father's Day. It's been a joy and an honor to minister to you along this line. We're all work in pro progress, but I thank God we've come up higher today. Amen. We look forward to being with you on Wednesday. I have a good word on my heart that's going to share with you. Forward this message today if it's been a blessing to you. And let's continue to reach out to others that don't have the information and the word and the Holy Spirit like we do. God bless everybody. Enjoy the rest of your day. Happy Father's Day.